On this episode of Reading Makes You Look Stupid, we're going to Boston, Massachusetts to talk to Jim Cavanaugh. I can walk to the ocean from my house. A bunch of power plants, but <laughs> it's not scenic at all, but it's there. <laughs> Jim is an artist and a cover designer for How's it going, man? Eh, hanging in there. How you doing? Good. <laughs> we're going to talk about Boston. I really thought, I, I hope he has the Boston accent. Really bad. <laughs> Bastard. Uh, I can't I can't do one. My my I can only get mine from like I watched Ted the other night. Books. So did you have a lot of going with um book trope there before it all Yeah, unfortunately we had a bunch of stuff unfinished, me and uh, Christian Jensen, so he got me in. Video games. Do you play uh horror games at all? Like um Xbox, PS4, that type of stuff. Do you play horror games? That's, I've never really been a big video game person, which is... Not video games, and all things horror. Because some of that stuff in the past was like, just, you know, guys tied up with their penises getting cut off. <laughs> that was like out of control. At least he took it to like a, you know, it kind of... There was a story. So sit back and listen, or watch, because reading makes you look stupid. Welcome to Reading Makes You Look Stupid. Tonight, we're going to Boston. Ah, Boston. Founded in 1630 and was well known for their dislike of tea and those bastards who rode into town with it. Birthplace of the American Revolution, it is one of the United States' oldest cities. Home of the Bruins, Red Sox, Celtics, Patriots, and Revolution. As well as the birthplace of Edgar Allan Poe. It is also the home of artist Jim Cavanaugh, who will now join Already in Progress. He got, he got in with Book Trove, and then he uh, wanted me to do a couple covers for him, so I had to go in. You know how that works. You can't yeah. you know, come in as a, you know, outside with them. So <clears throat> they hired me in there, which was kind of an adventure, and trying to figure that whole system out. You know how that goes. <laughs> Everybody's different. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. We had a bunch of stuff on the docket, though, to come out. I mean, he writes kind of really fast, so he had probably like four or five books that aren't, weren't out yet, so. I they was rushed them all, you know. Did you ever talk to Maggie, my editor? Uh, I don't think so. They they just came back with with like you know OKs and stuff, but never really had a conversation with them at all. Oh, because she's a, an author too, and she's she just got her first book done by an actual publisher like a year, year and a half ago, and she's done six six books. I'm still twiddling my thumbs over here trying <laughs> to get the the next one, and I'm like, what the hell am I doing wrong? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Some people can write extremely fast. I can't. Yeah. Write. So I, I, you know, God bless everybody that can write, but uh, it's not for me really. But I, I have ideas for books. I always jot stuff down, but I don't know if I'll ever be able to put it together. You know. So do you actually like do? You, um, uh, have you tried writing or just like short stories or anything like that? And then when I read them back, they don't make sense. So I'll, uh, I try to write a novel, and I've been working on a couple chapters of that and going back and forth, you know, and trying to get it all on paper. And uh, I don't know. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> but the cover looks fantastic. <laughs> you have to see the cover. It's so exciting. <laughs> I can draw anything. I talk. <laughs> Poor editor, like. What the fuck is he talking about? Yeah, right. No, I thought to Christian about it. I was like, maybe I can send you over some of my stuff, see what you think. And I'm like, just don't make fun of me if you don't know what it's going on. You know, <laughs> he's from New Jersey, so. On your on your Facebook, I saw you in um, uh, Christian Jensen, and has he done work in movies? Uh yeah, he has. He's doing some of the uh, like independent films. 
that type of thing. I wish I could remember the names of them up. Because I swear he has that face, or he looks like somebody that I. Because I do, I like, I like horror movies. So he just, he looked like someone I saw before. Or, I don't know. Well, have you been in prison? <laughs> no, I'm just. I, I I I don't want to say. <laughs> I'm here talking with Jim Cavanaugh, and sounds like a cop. <laughs> Detective Cavanaugh. Yeah, there you go. So let's start with Silver Bullet Studios, Inc. What is that? That was my um, illustration company that I came up with. I didn't really want to use my name at first, so decided to go with uh, Silver Bullet Studios. I've always been a big werewolf fan in a sense of things. And um, when I went to copyright that name, it turns out that it's owned by, I think, a record company in Silver Bullet Studios, so I couldn't use that. So just on the fly, since we were online and doing it, I just threw the ink in at the end. It's kind of an afterthought. It kind of had a nice ring to it. So yeah, that makes sense. With the ink. That's that's uh, kind of how that name came about. And um, just was started off as a fan uh, type of situation where I did a lot of posters, movie posters, 80s-style posters, and um, things like that. And then tried to push it into the media section of things just to get some more publicity. And... Um, as we're here now, I guess, with uh, book covers and magazines and that type of thing. Maybe one day movies. Who knows? Nice. <laughs> so how much of your work is um, book covers, magazines, and other, like, uh, like, can you break it down what most of your time devoted to the website is? Um, yeah, right now it's all been probably with the uh, novels and books that have been, you know, doing work with um, you, obviously, and Christian and Tom about in New York and um, Eugene Johnson and Charles Day with Evil Jester Press out of New York um, and uh, I'm trying to think, MF Corn and a whole bunch of different people. So um, that kind of ties up a lot of my work. And obviously when you're doing other people's novels too, like you're, you're – going off of what they've written, what they want, so there's a lot of back and forth. It takes a lot of time in that area. Um, I try to put together some new posters and new artwork if um, you know a convention's coming up or something that I'm going to do so that I'll have something new to sell to the people because it's they're always looking for new stuff. So, um, yeah, that's kind of... So, it's yeah, I would say mostly that. I haven't done much magazine work in a while. Did some work for Shadowland magazine in the past and um, Scream Scene magazine, but um, that kind of died off a little bit. I didn't ever got any covers from it's all interior work that I've gotten with them. So um, I don't know. I haven't really approached them lately, so who knows? Maybe they'll come back around. I think the magazine scene's kind of slow now, though. It's mostly online. Yeah, I I think so. Yeah, it just it seems that's where it's heading. Yeah, and um, I've had like. Uh, gallery openings out in uh, Boston, the area, and I never really enjoyed those that much. I kind of would turn those down now, not because I think I'm better than that, but it's just a lot of work to, like, you got to bring out all originals. They all have to be framed. A lot of my stuff's big 18 by 24 frames and everything, so when you do stuff like that, it's a lot of stuff gets damaged, and you got to hang everything, and it's, you know, for, a lot of times it's just for the weekend, and then taking everything back and it's I don't know to me it's you don't really sell much at gallery openings either not to get greedy but uh, most of the people that come in are a bunch of old ladies that are shopping around for Claude Monet's and they see Freddy Krueger and they don't know <laughs> what they're looking at so <laughs> it's just uh, one of those situations where I do a lot of explaining there and 
they think I'm a devil worshiper and they scared of me. Do you sell a lot of work? Because I, I will have it on here and I'll have it on my website when I put the thing. That's what, when I was looking for my book cover and I was going through all the different book designers, I, of course, you're... Your name led me to your website, and I started going through your work. Do you sell a lot of individual stuff to people? Um, yeah, I do. I sell, I sell a lot. Um, I do well at the shows and conventions in person. Um, I seem to sell the most there. But um, I, I occasionally get a few sales off the website, not so much. And I sell a lot of eBay, surprisingly. People pick it up, I, like posters and things. I'll sell them for $15 or $20, nothing. You know, they're all prints, large-scale prints. So I can sell them cheaper, and um, yeah. Oh, so they're not actual the originals. I, I attempted to sell originals at one point, but um, you know they're a little more pricey. Obviously, you ask a little more money for the original, and uh, people typically don't want to pay that. So I would say that probably ninety-five percent of my sales are like college students that buy like posters and things like that. Uh -huh. So like I've had a lot of repeat customers that will buy like a Texas Chainsaw poster from me and then come back and get a Nightmare on Elm Street poster from me and then tell their friends and then they get other ones. So I'm happy for that at least that people enjoy it and they come back repeatedly. So that's a good thing. But um, yeah, I do fairly well. I mean, that's why I do like the shows. You got to pay a fee to get into the shows, but audience that really is looking for that type of thing. So, so. And I guess it makes more sense actually draw it and then make a bunch of, and then you can just sell a bunch of those. But yeah, what I would say before when I was looking at your stuff, the two that really got me was, um, what was the name of that one? Trick or Treat, the little dude with the pumpkin head. Oh, yeah. That was a nice picture. And, of course, Vincent Price. I, I don't know if I've told you this, but, like, my grandfather isn't a spitting image, but he has the same type of laugh, mannerism, and look as Vincent Price. And that was really cool to see. Uh, is that a big uh, favorite of yours? Because I noticed you, you uh, t tend to draw what you really like. Yeah, right. Vincent Price is definitely a favorite of mine. One of my favorite actors of all time. I mean, that's a guy that uh, you know deserves a lifetime achievement award that never got one. You know, I would yeah, have no to kidding. say. But um, yeah, uh, I, I do. I try to pick the people that I like, and I actually have this like theory that I can't draw people that I don't like. That's one of my things. Like, if I hate an actor, I can't sit there and stare at his face for forty-five minutes. It just drives me crazy. So yeah, everybody I draw, I like. Just start uh, stabbing the fucking baby. <laughs> yeah, it pissed me off to look at him. So, up yours, uh, Matt Damon, you departed <laughs> bullshit accent. Yeah, right. Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, all those guys, you know. <laughs> Screw them. Yeah, no, the Vincent Price, I think that's a favorite. Um, I have it hanging up in, in my uh, living room. I Actually, at one of the conventions, I bought a cue card, like a 3 by 5 cue card or whatever size it is, signed by him, and I just have it framed underneath of it because obviously he passed away before I could actually meet him. But yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 that one I think I get the most attention from kind of older people on that. They can recognize him and they, they, they don't think he's scary in that picture or anything. So it's, you know, because he's just sitting around smoking a cigarette. But um, yeah, that was um, an interesting one. I like doing that one. I did that whole thing with just uh, green and black charcoal, basically pastels. So um, it's just two colors and just, you know, did it real quick. But it came out, came out nice. People like it. So yeah. No, have you seen all his movies? Yeah, basically, I'm pretty sure I own every one of them. I have a huge movie collection anyway, but yeah, I try. If I find something I don't have, I need to have it by him. I love all of his stuff, so 
celebrate his entire catalog, you could say. <laughs> <laughs> so Christian Jensen got you over on to, to Book Trope. You're saying earlier that he writes really quick and sometimes it, it's hard for you to keep up um, with because you go back and forth. Because when you and I did the cover, when we did, um, that was actually really quick. And then that's even, I think the second one, that was even quicker. Do you get a lot of like authors that are really picky or... Yeah, I would have to say that like working with you was easy. You kind of knew exactly what you wanted. I, I think sometimes, I think sometimes authors know what they want, but are afraid to kind of tell you what they want. And then I'm kind of trying to read their mind into what I'm gonna do. And and like you know, like when I, you told me what the book's about, you give me the description of everything. That's what most people do. So I don't actually read the book, and that's what people don't understand. So. Um, if it's a scene or uh, they say, like, I want a house in the background, I'll draw what, my idea of a house. And then they'll be like, no, this isn't the country. This is like a barn. Then it's like, oh, so now, it, now it's a barn, you know, and then it's a dilapidated barn. It's not a rent. And then, they, you know what I mean? You can see how like it, an idea in someone's head, if they don't translate it properly, can just roll into something else and something else. And it just can keep going. So there's constant changes. And I've actually, unfortunately, worked with some authors even on book trail where I've backed out of projects just because they were really difficult to um, really you know, get information out of like you draw something and then they would change it and then you would do what they said well I feel I did what they said and then they'd actually go back to the original drawing and be like well let's go back to the first one <laughs> and then you could go to add on and they'd be like no wait a minute that's still not right so like it was a constant and I just tell them I'm, I'd kind of back out by you know, asking them what the deadline was on the books or whatever. And I'm like, I'm just not going to make this deadline. You're better off going with somebody else. But I typically, myself, I feel as though I get stuff done fast. I can draw really quickly and fast, so um, I can change things easily. But it's more just the communication with me. I don't mind changing things, but it's more aggravating if the communication doesn't come across the right way. And um, I've said it to Christian before. I like doing his book because he'll just come straight up and be like, "Yeah, just get rid of all this and get rid," you know. And it, that's what I'd rather hear than try to sugarcoat it and we'll just be dancing around for, you know, forever. No one's happy, you know. So I think that's a misconception a lot of writers have that when they work with some, they automatically think that that person's going to read their book. Well, I don't have the option a lot of times to read the book either because it's not even out yeah. yet. And it's not out yet. So the idea is like sometimes the people send me a chapter or a, an idea like that that I can read. But like that book isn't available for me to get. So the same thing, I, I'll have a guy tell me it's a story about a knight. It's a story about that. You know, and it's just like, well, is he old? Is he young? Like what, you know, um, is he black, white, you know, whatever. What is, you know, they, they don't give you this information. I think they think in their heads when they visualize it and tell you, you know, it's a knight to me. There's a million different types of knights. There's medieval knights. There's Batman, the Dark Knight. There's all types of crazy things. So it could be anything. And I don't know. In my mind, it's not as clear as that. But to them, they almost get – some of them get agitated that you're not understanding what they're saying. But, you know, is he tall, short? Is he fat? Is he – you know, like there's so many details that go into that. Is he young? Is he old? Is he – and a lot of times it's just a knight. Like that's it. Like, you know, so. What was the longest – it took you to do an actual book cover? Um, a book cover? I would say, I feel like I can get pretty much any just one-sided book, and not like a wraparound, but like a one-sided thing, uh, done probably within two weeks, I would say, if I just really 
barrel down and do it, you know. And yeah, I've gotten other ones done in a week, though. It's it's weird with me if it's like if if something just starts flowing, I can just sit down for three four hours and just just keep banging it out, almost just finish it, you know, just go right through. So I can get anything done from two days to probably two weeks, um, depending upon, you know, what it is. And so it, it it's time consuming, but sometimes it's hard for me to judge what it'll take too, because sometimes. I assume it's going to take longer than it does, and I start doing it, and I know the cover for my boyfriend is a monster. I, I enjoyed doing that anyway. It was fun, so when I just started doing it, it was like it just started coming, and like you know, we made some changes as we went along with the the positionings of things and whatever. Yeah, understandable, but you know, it, it kind of just it just kind of rolled. It just was kind of easy for me. Um, the description you gave me was, I thought, pretty straightforward and easy to do. So um, something like that, I would assume, would take me a week or so, but. It really didn't. I think I got it done within a couple of days. Three, yeah, three, it was pretty good. Did I ever show you the, my uh, my sketch? You did mine? show yeah, it. Post. <laughs> it was kind of funny. It kind of scared me that like I read it so well. I felt you know. And, uh, it was pretty uh, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a drawer. <laughs> but yeah, but it, the positioning and everything is like the same. Like yeah, was, yeah. You know, so it's pretty good. Yeah. We're gonna take a break, and we'll be right back. All of the little boys and all of the little girls are afraid of monsters. But all of their mummies and all of their daddies tell them not to be afraid, little ones, because monsters do not exist. But that is a lie. All the little girls and all of the little boys grow up, they start to date. And what of those monsters that supposedly don't exist, but really do? Well, they date too. like the new and I know it's taken me forever and to get this fucking book done but and now all these people like they just banged out three or four books in the last couple <laughs> months and what the hell am I doing <laughs> I say quality man not quantity fucking quality yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your book sucks fuck you <laughs> <laughs> see if this works there we go so I just want to talk about um the new, the My Boyfriend is a Monster 1.5 cover. Uh, it's my cover. Um, and I really like it because basically what I, I, I text you was basically this, this actual this actual cover here. Because uh, I, I remember texting you saying that I want the guy standing at the door and it's like she's looking through the keyhole and he's got the flowers but they're wilted and um, his hair looks like greasy and, and, and it was like, I really like this cover. It was friggin' awesome. How long did it take you to do this one? 
This one, um, probably, this one took a little bit longer because the technique involved in this one is like you basically do this whole cover in like a black and gray. So to keep it that monochromatic kind of look, because in the first book I felt like we just kind of used the red in there, a little bit of yellow, and then it was all just that black and gray. So to keep the books kind of connected just visually, I wanted to do it the same way where everything was just black and gray. And then after it's all toned in the right way, I just come in and I just wash over with like the yellow for the flowers or the red from the heart. And that's actually over the gray in the background. Um, a lot of tattoo guys will use that same technique, like they'll do a whole tattoo out and just like shade it in with gray and then come over with the color and it's automatically going to darken out, round out those edges. So um, I feel like it gives it the same feel as the first book as, you know, the coloring. And you now I can't really say it's monochromatic because there's co different colors in yeah. there, but it, it, it's, it's limited color, you know, and it keeps it kind of dark and kind of, you know, that Tim Burton-esque kind of like scary, twisted feel to it, so... Yeah, no, this I, I really like this cover because when I was trying to explain it to um, uh, some people at Book Triple, uh, that no, because because they were saying that's very cartoonish looking, and I agreed with them. Um, but I, and I know you haven't read the books, but the books are very. When you talk about vampires and monsters and stuff like that, that's that's a superhero book. It's not a guy in a cape, but it's still a superhero book. Um, because there's the, there's good guys versus bad guys, and I feel this cover actually lends itself to that, but it also lends itself to the fact that there's a lot of humor in my book, a lot of but a lot of comedy involved. When I look at it, when I look at this guy on the front of this cover, um, it's almost like he's a mascot. It's like the mascot for the books. Like he's not really a character in the book, but he's like a mascot for the series. And I don't know. I I think it's awesome. Yeah, he kind of came out of nowhere, like the way we just had him in the window in the first one, and it was like, I knew you were like, well, that's not exactly how the character looks like, and, you know, obviously I hadn't read the book yet, so wasn't sure, but we, so I just kind of, in a way, shadowed him out in the window so I didn't have to get into great detail, but we kind of just brought him, like, I feel like you just brought him straight forward into this one, which is kind of funny, like, he's like, just moved right up into the uh, front, and... Um, I don't know, I can almost picture him in the third one as being like on a wedding cake or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? It'd be kind of funny, but <laughs> that's just me. Like, it's kind of going in that direction. So. Yeah, actually, I, I was kind of seeing him at, um, I don't, I, I haven't really thought about the next the next one, but I, I, to use it more humorously as the point fives, like if I do a 2.5, and I saw him kind of like at the, in the driver's seat of a drive through like McDonald's or whatever with his date looking all pissed off that he's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny. I don't know. You could make. I feel like you could do like a like a uh, comic book series with this guy and everything. It'd be just awesome. <laughs> just to him, you know. It's funny. Yeah, he looks like he's almost from that. Um, he could belong to that. Remember that? Remember Mad Magazine? But they had all those. Uh, remember that Hot Rod one? Yeah. Yeah, he looked like he could come out from that era. No, yeah. I, I, I don't know. He look. He's like I, I'm a monster, but I dress myself up here. I got flowers. Like fuck, come on, let's go on a date. <laughs> Yeah, and he looks good though. I think yeah, he, he does. Good, <laughs> he looks like he's like he's got that like um, like a sinister look to him, but with the eyes, and everything he almost looks a little eager. Like you get to get him inside the door. It's like a, I can kind of read his mind when I was drawing. Him. I thought when I just had him sketched out, I I loved it because I thought I, as far as I was concerned, like that's a that's a good drawing, you know. But like you said earlier with the book trope, you kind of got to go through them being the publishing house. Like you never know if they're gonna just axe an idea. And I've had that happen to me too, where um, we came up with some ideas with some of the other writers, and um, 
we really liked them, and then they just did not like them, and that's disappointing. And um, to this day, there's a couple covers that I've put out that um, I have the alternative covers, and I now that Bookdrop is no longer around, I'd kind of like to see us re-release some of the books and use the covers that we originally drew up because there's been a lot of people that I show the original covers to. They actually like them, you know, better than what the Bookdrop people picked because they just kind of missed them. I feel like they missed the point on some of it. You know what I mean? But um, on all the stuff, they let it go. And um, I know that's just the nature of the beast. It's hard to obviously get me to draw what you want. It's hard to get other people to kind of accept what you want. It's a difficult world out there, you know? Yeah. No, and um, I don't know if I've mentioned this before to, uh, on my blog or anything, um, but the the first book, My Boyfriend is a Monster, the, the, the cover actually got declined. It got rejected first. Um, and they, cause it was under paranormal romance and they were saying, well, no, because paranormal romance, you want this, you want the good looking guy and the, the hot girl and the, the scenery behind. And I'm like, well, I, I don't, I understand that that would draw my, the people I'm trying to sell to are that demographic. And I know that would get a few sales at the beginning, but then I it could get lost in the shuffle very easily. I wanted my book. I tried to explain that to them that it is different. I want it to be different. I don't want it to be where you just see 30 books on the, the computer screen and they all look the same. I want one that looks a little different that someone might go, what the hell is that doing in this genre? Um, so we had to actually change it to urban fantasy and then they approved it. So yeah, it's, it's weird that the, how they're thinking. And I could say, well, they know better, but how they fucking don't throw out of business, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I was going to say. I don't know. There were parts. Well, the thing that even uh, with some of the guys, like the writers I've worked with in the past, like we do the shows together, which like I don't want to say that makes us smarter than the book trope people. or I don't know what their background is, but when, when I'm out there with some of the other guys and they're selling self-published books and they just can't keep them in stock and um, I'm selling artwork and I just can't keep it in stock and the two of us come up with an idea for this demographic that we want to sell to and then they tell us no that'll never work it's like it's a little aggravating that you feel like I can show you how it can work you know what I mean but they in sense want you to do exactly what it, you know and when you have tables set up and everybody's books like you said look the same yeah it's hard for me to promote that book or stand out there and get people to notice this one other than the other one but when we come up with this idea like hey you got original ideas as a writer I got some you know original you know up-and-coming artwork that I want to use We'll try to smash this stuff. And then they're telling you, no, like, this isn't, you know, the conventional way of doing things. It's like, well, sometimes you want to break out of that box and not be conventional. And, um, you know, they did, I felt as though they didn't seem to always get that, you know, idea or that point. Because, I mean, there's some famous, I feel like there's a lot of famous um, authors out there that can sell with their name. They don't need, they could have the book cover just be black. And yeah. because the name is on it, they're all set. So that's not what we're really competing with. We're competing, we were trying to get more you know, a little off the wall with stuff, or a little different, so it pops, and um, Which, I, I, that was my problem with them, I mean, I, really. Yeah, and I don't want to really, like, I, I'm not trying to bash them or anything, but it, it just, it, what didn't make sense to me was that they were, they were hybrid, and they were doing something different, and they're, they held on to this traditional, and like this, what we're talking about, they held on to that so tightly and tried not to change. And I'm like, well, you're the hybrid. You're the one that is different. You should be embracing all these. And try If it fails, it fails. But at least embrace and see what new that's what you're supposed to be about. So that was, yeah, that was a little disappointing. Yeah, it is. It's just strange to me. And um, I, just as a side note myself, I think it's funny when, um, 
you know, they, they were like that company that was always like, oh, you know, they love my artwork, they love my style because it was different or it was, you know, extreme or this, that, the other thing. And then they'd be like, you know, we like the Vincent Price, we like this, we like all this stuff. And then they would be like, now draw like Jack Kirby, though, for our books. <laughs> it's like, well, I don't do that. You know what I mean? We love your style, we love all your horror stuff, and now just do it a different way. You know, and it was like, oh, that's like you'd basically taken the, the fastball right out of my wheelhouse. Okay, I'm going to take a couple look at your, um, I'll look at a couple of your covers here because I have a question, but I'm going to, it, it'll, it'll, it'll make more sense after we take a look at this. So, um, Horror Hosts, Creature Features. Now, is that a book or like an anthology or a... That, that was actually a magazine that I did. I believe it came out as an online magazine for um, Mr. Lobo, who is a um, horror host out in, and I'm going to look stupid, but he's in California or somewhere around there. I've met him a couple times, and um, he gave me a, uh, you know, a nice... Uh, online kind of write up and everything so I actually did a portrait for him that he uses for um, a lot of his promotional stuff and then I did that book I mean that magazine cover and that is of Gravely Macabre who is another horror host creature feature type of guy I believe out of like the Philadelphia New Jersey area he does um, you know those late night you know b-movie things so that's what his whole magazine Spale thing is is like that late night B movie, you know, Elvira host oh, yeah, yeah. stuff. So um he's one of those guys. So um he kinda gave me a good start, a good write up. His uh wife is uh Dixie Del Morto Lobo and uh she's like the art director and everything and um she's a great artist herself and I'm lucky that she was willing to work with me with some of the stuff because you get a lot of other artists I feel that just kind of want to keep everything to themselves. They don't really want to play well with others, but she does, and she's a good person, and he is too. So, um, you know, I owe some of my success to them in that sense of things. Now, do you find, just to break away from the books, because you just mentioned um, how it was great that she was willing to work with you, um, do you find that in your line of business, whether it's through book covers or just drawings, that there's a lot of competition? Um, it's funny that you say that because I do feel as though, me personally, when I'm out doing shows or trying to make contacts and meet up with people, you definitely receive better by people that like want to work with you, it seems like. That's just, I guess it's common sense, but I didn't really expect that. You, you run into a lot of the other artists that may be a little more famous or what have you, and they kind of just seem to worry about their own stuff, which can be good. And then you do get a sense of some guys that they you feel like they might be taking it like you're stomping on their toes a little bit, like that that this is their stomping ground that they take, you know, that they do these magazines or they work for these companies. And, you know, and it's true, a lot of the um, big-name magazines will go to a certain artist all the time, so they give them the covers and they give them the you know, the primarily the work. The only time you can kind of really get in there is if that person's like on vacation, they need something spur of the moment. But as far as you submitting something to a magazine that someone else kind of has hold of, I think they take that as kind of like a like a slap in the face, like you're trying to say that your stuff's better than their stuff or something like that, which I don't, I wouldn't, I don't feel that way personally, but maybe that's because I'm not in that position where I, I, I'm going to lose ground. I'm kind of more trying to gain ground. Right. Um, Demon, uh, Demonic Possession uh, by yes. Christian Jensen. Yes, that was, um, I can't remember what where that laid out in the book releases. I think that might have been the second one that he released out of um, Book Trobe. Um, I, I can't remember if he had self-published that before or not, but um, obviously gave him a whole new, um, you know, 
whole new look on it with the uh, little kid in the bed and the uh, big demon face in the background. That one's kind of interesting because when I first drew that up for him, I, he wanted a demon in the background for it. I didn't read the book. It just He just comes across with a demon. So I ended up uh, doing this like kind of gargoyle looking like on all fours, like demonic. I liked it. I thought it looked cool coming over the top, and that's not at all what he was thinking because he's like, no, 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 like the red face like from Sinister, the red. I'm like, oh, that's like – to me, that's like Satan, not a demon. <laughs> but again, where like things just get crisscrossed. So I ended up uh, you know, taking the background out of that one and then just coming in with the um, – with the big red demon and the and then he was like perfect and it was like a one shot when I did it he said it looked great so we just went with that I mean I had fun doing that cover I thought that cover was cool you know try to get the look on that kid's face like he's um you know really scared in that bed like he doesn't want to come out with his uh dog and uh, <laughs> Christian also he just what kind of dog is that that's a uh is it a great day and I can't remember a puppy but he had just bought a dog that same exact dog so he wanted to get it into the picture so we uh, it's in the book and we I worked it into the picture and you know kind of a selling point to him that uh, you know if he could put his dog in the picture he has to he has to go with it right <laughs> so that's uh, that's the story with that one I guess and now what a, a town less ordinary that town less ordinary was cool I was kind of with the cover of that one, I was kind of trying to go for that old uh, Stephen Gamble kind of look, like the guy that did the um, scary stories, uh, Tell the Dark, like the kids thing that scared the crap out of me when I was little. I love him as a um, artist. I love his style. Um, I'd love to get a piece from him if I could someday. If they're hard to find, but um, we were kind of going for that real like dark kind of watercolor wash look to it. And um, I have a skull that's uh, behind me on the shelf up here that. Uh, I always have kicking around, so that skull made its oh, way into the into the picture in the uh, bottom of the jawless skull, and then um, the zombie looking. Because I guess it's a book about you know a, a neighborhood that's taken over by um, zombies or whatever, and then in come like these va uh, undead vampires to kind of save the day, and they're also killing the people, but they're killing the zombies. So it's like a lesser <laughs> two evils, and he comes up with this crazy stuff. I don't know. Like, like I say, I just draw the pictures, but. Uh, <laughs> In the background, the houses are there, and it's like a hand, like kind of yeah. houses in the hand. I don't know if the tree's coming out of it. So we kind of came up with the idea, and I did it. And that one, in a little, in a way, is wraps around because all the bleeding colors go into the back and everything. So it's kind of – I like doing that book. That book was fun for me. That was another one that kind of just first time around, we just kind of liked it and just nailed it. Reading makes you look stupid. Fun fact. Number 211. Friday the 13th villain, Jason, was originally to be named Josh. <laughs> Fucking stupid. Josh. Watch out. Here's Josh is coming. He's wearing a fucking sweater vest. He's going to get us. That's so dumb. You know, I, I like that one. It's a young adult novel, too. I guess that was his first. Young that's adult. a young adult novel? Yeah. So we made it creepy enough. Like, that's our idea is that. Yeah, like, that's, yeah that's not. The crap out of the uh, young kids because, you know, when we were little, we were sneaking out watching the, you know, Freddy Krueger and everything. <laughs> and that's what made it exciting. So we try to make it look like it's uh, something you're not supposed to have, you know. It's kind of the idea. Now, what about uh, Creature Features? Creature Feature was a story that um, that was the first novel that I ever um, 
illustrated first cover I ever got. That one was put out at um, like a book convention type of thing. I was up there just basically shamelessly trying to self-promote myself at this uh, thing. And they were doing um, pitch sessions with um, Evil Jester Press, uh, Postmortem Press. So I basically took my portfolio, went into these pitch sessions, and um, had no book because I can't write, like I've said earlier. So I'm in there just basically just showing up my artwork. And um, while I was in there, Eric was like, you know, what is this uh, horror host and creature feature one that the cover that you showed, the first one in the magazine? And I was like, you know, I did that for Mr. Lobo, same story I told you. And um, he was like, man, I got a story by MF Cohen and David Matthews that uh, – it's called Creature Feature, and we just could not come up with a cover for it. So he was like, if you'd be interested in doing that, I can hit you up on that. So I was like, you know, why not? I had not done a novel. That's why I was there. So he was like, eh, let's see how it goes. He sent it over to um, the author, and they loved it. So it ended up going on the book. So that was the first one that I got done. And um, I actually was glad that happened because when I was brought into uh, Booktrove through Christian, they needed to see some sort of published work and I had some magazine stuff but it was all interior work so I kind of needed that you know to show them that and right. sale on you know Amazon so kind of just linked them to that and helped me kind of break in there so everything being related in a sense of things it, it works out it's these weird roads that you travel weird things you go down that <laughs> you don't see coming in the future just take any opportunity you can get you know your horror is your main um uh, your main inspiration and, and what you do now what I want to ask you before um, have you ever done anything other than horror like have you done like a romance or uh, an action or anything other than horror uh, really as far as publications and work I not really I haven't uh, I'm not saying I couldn't do it but um, it's just kind of that's where the wheelhouse is again because that's the shows I'm doing and the conventions I'm doing and the, um, stuff like that. So like obviously the authors I run into and the people I meet are all into that same thing. So <clears throat> that just seems the way it's going. I think at this point too, if, if someone wanted a romance novel from me or something like that, I, I think they would be turned off by <laughs> some of these covers. I, I mean, even if they saw uh, your book cover, they're going to see the girl with the black eye and be like, this kid's yeah. <laughs> not a cover. You know, that's how it's going to go now. So you almost get typecasted into that um, point of things. But, like, I'll, I do portraits of, like, you know, my family or, you know, kids and things like that, like, for myself. And I, I like doing work for myself when I have time. But, um, yeah, as far as people paying, I usually get the contacts from those type of people, like the horror fans and everything else. But I like the horror fans. I, I love the horror authors. I feel like they're really down to earth and... Yeah, well, surprise! Well, I don't know a lot of them, but yeah, odd that you would think that some of these guys would just be complete lunatics, but they're not really. Like uh, you hang out with them, and they're great guys. I know, like we usually hang out the shows with like James Balsamo and some of the directors, and they're all just fantastic people. They're all great guys. It just seem like they all come from the same background as me, so it's like it's easy to just relate to them and get things done and communicate. I feel like if you get some of these other. I hate to say artsy people because they have people probably put me in that category, but they're just so far out there that I feel like it's hard for me to even put myself in their situation sometimes, you know? I feel like the world is pretty horrific at times and, you know, and it's a good release to have the horror. Yeah, but, yeah, absolutely. Well, what are the movies that made you want to draw them or really get into horror? 
Yeah, see, I love all the, um, you know, the 80s style movies of colors. I like the real colorful stuff. When I started out, I was, like, really into the black and white. I, I would, even in school and high school and things like that, I'd win a lot of art competition stuff just, just doing pen and ink and black and white. So I was always into, like, the Wolfman and the Draculas and the Frankensteins and stuff like that. Like, I like stuff that scared people, but... In a, in a way that it's like a roller coaster ride where you're scared, but you know you can get off the ride at any time. Like, this isn't like real life type of things. And um, as it got into the 80s and stuff, like that that type of like just real colorful, like, um, you know, dead alive type of stuff. Oh, and, yeah. Like the Evil Dead and like all that hokey uh, reanimator and like just this, this colors and there's just stuff coming out in the street trash and all that, those type of movies that are just. Over Chud, the top, Chud. and yeah, Chad is another great one. And yeah, I just love that. Like, I can just sit back and you know, it, it's not like you're scared for your life. You think Chad's really going to come out of the sewer and get you, but um, it's like a fun ride when you're on. You want to go back, but you want to ride that ride again. And I, I, um, I think I'm not sure if it was Del Toro or whoever that said it, but that's what he was. His big thing was that you know, it is like a roller coaster ride, but you should always feel safe and be able to get off. It shouldn't really change a person. And to this day, I've seen movies like, um, like irreversible and those movies and they're so extreme and just like so violent that like to me there is no I don't find much entertainment in those movies because it's like just a lot of just over the top rape scenes or just real shocking stuff like that where I'm like if the idea is just to just to make it as extreme as possible I think that's almost too easy it's almost too much of a cop out I like the idea of having um, you know the comedy element behind it a little bit or just a little more entertainment value to me. So that's um, so why I liked your book, your, the idea that you had when you came across with that because it's not just like, let's just beat the shit out of this girl for, you know, two hours and, you know, that yeah. I kind of, I don't know, like, if I want to put my name on something like that, you know what I mean? Like, it's, you know, it's just kind of crazy. So um, I don't know. Like, yeah, definitely that is one of my uh, big ones. But I guess I, I kind of classify, I guess, all my movies into, like, into different uh, categories, I guess, because like I, I see a lot of like, just uh, slasher movies, and I always love the Texas Chainsaw Massacre with you know Toby Hooper. It's original. Um, I thought was just fantastic. You know, I think that movie just really brings you to that place. Like you think it, you're really there. You can just feel the heat. You know, sweat, the smell. You can almost see it. You know, so I always love the feel of that movie. You know, it was like just always one of my favorites. Not saying I don't. I enjoy the Friday Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Streets too, but that one, for some reason, just it's really it stands above the rest for me. You know? I actually, I actually, I believe this even back when I was younger. Um, some about those seventies, early eighties movies that made I don't know if it was what they shot them on, like the the the, the film stock, but like Texas Chainsaw Massacre almost looked like it was um, like the Blair Witch, like it was that idea, like you're almost right there because video yeah yeah because i don't know if it's because it looks so cheap that they shot it with a, a cheap camera but it, it almost looked too surreal and it, that's and that made it creepy like really yep. really really creepy yeah that's why i really liked uh one of the movies that just recently came out like the witch i don't know if you saw that oh no i want to see it though that looks I crazy really as hell movie. It's, it's but i went to see that in the theater and uh it was late night and there was a bunch of younger people in there than me and um they were all disappointed like people were bowing and they were so upset by that movie because I feel like, well, actually, the girl sitting in front of me had turned to me and said that, like, that movie was rated R. It should not have been rated R. That movie was not scary. There was no blood. There's no guts. There's no gore, which there is some in there. But 
it's not to the level I think that people expect now with, with what's coming out with the saws and all those type of movies. So it's got that slow burn where like as you're watching it, I don't want to give anything away, but like you, you it's more the situation and the feeling that the main character has. Like you almost get a, a feeling of like how someone would like turn to be an evil person or be lose faith in their family or what have you like and you really got to read and put yourself into that character's um you know present you know position and where they are in the world and um, i felt like when i watched that movie it, the way that they did the costuming the way that everything was done that's old like new england town and the woods and everything else like i felt like i was there and there was a point where like you know you, you know winter's coming the family the this and like you, you you're worried like you have that almost claustrophobic scared feeling to me I would rather have that emotional, like psychological, slow burn thriller. Which I and to the, every time I say that that's a good movie, I still have people on Facebook and stuff. Are like they think I'm nuts. So I don't <laughs> know. Maybe it is me, but I know Christian likes it. You have to see it. You'll probably like it too. I yeah. When I'm paying for a movie, I I don't that build up. That's the point of the to me. That's the point of the movie. That whole build up is everything for that payoff at the end. Uh, I just watched the Green Inferno. Um, okay. Uh, I I actually thought it was going to be they get tra they get trapped by cannibals they escape and it's just a chase movie and I I know the director he's into gore and everything um, but it, I thought it was this big chase movie and it wasn't it was just them caught and then horrific things happens to them movie for the reason I like that movie is it, and this is just me I don't know this is the way that I felt but when that movie started you just see if you agree with this. I hated those oh, characters. Jesus I wanted Christ. them to die. I wanted them to get killed. I wanted that plane just to crash in the beginning and just end that movie. But when there was something about that movie that I will give the director credit for, it was that when they were in the cage and the shitty shits that had happened to them, I kind of flipped the way I felt about the characters a little bit. I kind of almost felt like that they were just naive and so stupid that they didn't know what was happening to him and there was a point that that then made me almost believe that this was could quite possibly happen and i i don't know because i'm like a bunch of college kids are over there thinking everybody's nice and getting hurt and then they realize these people aren't as innocent as they <laughs> think they are yeah and then thing you know when their guts are getting ripped out i'm like i think that's when you're like oh shit we were wrong but it's way too late to go back on this you know <laughs> and there was a part of me that i kind of like that concept of it i guess i mean but it is a gore yeah, and, and maybe I think a lot of it had to do with I was expecting an action horror, and this it was it was a complete gore movie. And if anyone's listening to this or watching this, and they love those old like Cannibal Holocaust and all those type of movies, um, I can't even think of. But that he did it, and because later, yeah. <laughs> and I went and I read a bit on IMDb or whatever it was, and that that's what he tried to do, and he did it. So if I would have actually read. I probably would have went in a little, um, I would have been a little more, I wouldn't have been as disappointed, I think. Reading makes you look stupid. Fun fact. Number 44. Dean Koontz wrote one episode for the television show Chips called Counterfeit, which resulted in an offer to write for the show. Mr. Koontz declined to focus on his novels. Apparently, they also butchered the crap out of it, so he didn't even use his real name. He used a name called Brian Coffey. I, I kind of remember Chips. We can rerun it. <laughs> awesome. The Orphanage? 
Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what did I just see? Oh, no. I wanted to see. Is it Crimson Peak? Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw yeah. that one too. I haven't yeah. seen that one yet. That's the next one. And, and um, like, yeah, Pacific Rim, uh, the one, the famous one there he did in Spain. Oh, no, Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth. That yeah, was a great That movie. was a great movie. Um, yeah, no, his stuff is, and I love, I wish uh, Peter Jackson would go, because I loved his 80s horror. Like, Dead oh, Alive yeah. was one of my favorite as a kid. Um, the rat monkey just rules. That's one of the pitches I want to do is the uh, rat monkey, you know? I love him. <laughs> it's great. I mean, uh, that whole claymation thing, that's another thing with me. I don't really like the big CGI stuff. I, I love that, like, King Kong claymation. It looked, to me, it gave something weight, you know? It gave it, like, it looked like it was actually on the screen. Some of this stuff, they show these creatures, like, these huge bulky things, and they just kind of move around so swiftly and so easily that I, I don't buy the... Um, you know, all that CGI stuff so much. And I know there's a lot of directors out there that I'm friends with that feel the same way that, like, sometimes they overdo that CGI aspect of things. I think it's getting so easy now with um, doing that, that you can basically do anything, and it's kind of getting hard to be surprised by anything now. It's right. What do you think of the um, how the genres are going? Because 70s was kind of like um, it was either gore uh for the sake of gore and it had a lot of like that was the beginning of like slashers but a lot of vampire stuff 80s was the beginning of like the sequel like freddy krueger and jason and all that now we seem to be dominated by ghosts um yes <laughs> do, do you like those movies or um that those movies to me i was just talking about these the other day with some people like those three movies i think what is it sinister insidious and um i always forget the names of them the conjuring they always blur together to me i i yeah. I, I, I think i like i think i liked insidious the best out of them but i i sometimes i start measuring things and i don't know they all seem the same and that is one of my big problems with movies nowadays is that they all, like, one good idea comes out and it sells, and then all the other studios jump on that. And I know, like, I, I mean, I'm kind of speaking through, you know, four other people, but I know that a lot of the directors that I know that, that try to get stuff out, it's very hard, same way as in, with books, to get out original ideas because people want them, like, well, if it was a ghost story, we'd put this out. So they end up getting handcuffed into changing characters and changing ideas and making things the way that a studio would want to put it out to get the backing of things. And they know that it's a, you know, a lot of times that it's a ripoff of something else or it's close to something else. But you come up there a lot of times and you're like, you know, I got this crazy original great idea and they'll see it. And I, I know that they, a lot of times, like the major studios and even some of the B studios, they, they don't want to get behind. They want to put money into something that they're not sure of. So they feel like the sure thing is to go with uh, what's already succeeded. Everyone was like, you know, what was the, you know, greatest horror movie of the 90s? And I always throw it to Scream, and people are like, well, that's cheesy because it was kind of mainstream. But that brought the slasher thing back. If it wasn't for Scream, those guys were dead. I mean, they were not going to make another Jason or Freddy movie. There was no way that anyone was going to touch that. But then when Scream comes out, it's like, wait, there is an audience for this. It didn't go away. You know what I mean? Just because we did Jason Takes Manhattan, put him on a boat. <laughs> and that was in, I don't know, Crystal Lake that was attached to the ocean that went to New York with a whole graduating class of five people in a yacht. Yeah. I don't know. That was <laughs> but, yeah, plot was a little thin on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we were just watching Jason kill people. Kane Harder rules. So that was the... Yeah. Uh, what about zombies? The whole, zombies? Are you into the whole Walking Dead? 
I, I did. I love what they did with The Walking Dead. A funny story with that is, is a, um, who was the writer there? Kirkman, I think. It's the, the guy, I forget yeah. the writer's name now. But one of the first shows that I ever did uh, was in Boston, and um, they were up here, The Walking Dead comic book guys, who obviously did it, and they were going, they had a whole bunch of things out, and uh, they were saying how AMC had picked up their, you know, show, and HBO thought it was too violent. So they Oh, yeah, right, yeah. So it was this weird story. I remember we were all hanging out afterward and kind of hearing that story. And um, they, I was like, AMC is going to like, do this stupid thing? Like, this does sound like it's, there's no way that this is going to be scary or any good. And uh, I hadn't read the comic books in you know, their defense or anything like that. So I was kind of like, you know, that another zombie Holocaust movie. We've seen this a million times to me. It's just been played over and over again. So I'm like, this, it's, you know, this is one season and done. And then I've never met those guys again. I'll never see them again <laughs> because they have more money than God. And I'm so wrong. So, so wrong on that. But personally, as far as zombies go, I was always saying to people, like, they, it was probably my least favorite monster of all time was the zombie, which is um, <clears throat> funny because I feel like they have no um, personality. You know what I mean? Like, if you have... I guess that Frankenstein was a zombie, a sense of things, and he was a person. But for the most part, like a werewolf is a guy that you can relate to, or a mummy is a, an old king that you can show a past to, and this and that. The zombies were just like a horde of just nonsense that was always, you know, just coming at you all slow and hokey and stuff like that. So, other than George Romero in '68 with the Night of the Living Dead, I think that movie is just absolutely brilliant. I think that's yeah, just that was a great movie too. And for a, obviously a town. People are stuck in a townhouse together trying to get along, and then, you know, this this threat that's just imminent all over the place. And then in the morning, when the hicks come in, to them it's just target practice because, like, there's no threat whatsoever. And it's kind of like it's funny how, you know, someone's worst nightmare could be someone else's. Like, it's, it's no big deal. Obviously, the racial tones in that movie and everything else are just crazy for the time. But, um, yeah, no, The Walking Dead, I was a fan. I watched it, and I was hooked. up was just watching episodes and I was like this is just fantastic the way they did it and their marketing you want to talk marketing yeah, it's just yeah. absolutely genius they have the comic books don't match the TV series they're all different characters they all go different ways and then they have video games that don't match either one either so if you play the video game it doesn't line up with the movie if you watch the movie it doesn't line up with the comic book so it forces you to kind of go into all different the guys are just genius they're all around so they have a great product and they're good at doing what they do so i would uh i salute those guys but um i didn't see it coming at all <laughs> i missed that dream <laughs> hopefully i didn't insult them <laughs> I, I i gotta buy um uh evil dead there the uh tv show Ash yeah, versus evil dead yeah i haven't seen any of that i want uh, that was one of my favorites i love you that's probably right behind uh, like dead alive as far as like the hokiness to it and i think that evil dead like evil dead 2 actually was my favorite but uh, yeah. that might be my favorite movie. I always go between that and Dead Alive, but I think I've seen it so many times <laughs> that just for me personally, I go back to Dead Alive because just the, to me, it's going to sound weird, I guess, but I can put that on in the background and just listen to the, the conversations and the audio of it. It just, I just think it's so funny. Like, like listen to music. I, yeah, right. It's just, it's just great, you know? So, but Evil Dead has that same type of thing. And, um, Apparently the show's awesome. How about that new Nightmare on Elm Street without Freddy, uh, without Robin England as Freddy? That was kind of a, a different take on things. It was okay. It was more. It was more serious. 
And yeah. that kind of I'm used to the all the '80s ones where that's one of my favorite things about Freddy Krueger. He, he yeah. kills someone, he has that one-liner. Um, yeah. But it was okay. It wasn't horrible. Like the new uh, uh, Friday Thirteenth, the remake. Um, yeah, with Derek Mears. Yeah, yeah. It, it, that, it was good too. It wasn't. I liked. I, but I like all that stuff. I like it. I even like Jason X, the one in space. I thought that um, was friggin' one awesome. Ones. I love the Freddy vs. Jason. I thought that was great. That too. was amazing. Yeah, that was awesome. I've seen that so many times. <laughs> it's an awesome movie. <laughs> and I just bought, actually, um, Monster Squad on Blu-ray. I haven't watched it yet. I haven't seen that in probably 15 years, so I'm really excited. to. And they, I just found out the kid that played the, the big chunky kid, he, he's dead. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Horace. Voice. Yeah. yeah, well, spoiler alert, Wolfman's got knives. Just yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> they don't make movies like that anymore. Uh, I have that. I own Monster Squad. It's a great one. Yeah. yeah. So good. And uh, what's his name? Duncan Rieger as Dracula. He's one of my favorite Draculas just visually. I, I don't know why. He just has that look like he's a good-looking guy, and he's kind of like got that jawline and everything, and that Monster Squad, he just looks... Yeah, he doesn't even have to do anything. He just has, yeah, he just has to look, and he looks like you're like, yeah, that's that's Dracula right there. Yeah, it just looks like him. Yeah, you just throw some teeth at him, and that was him. He just looks just like him, man. It was great. I, he was at uh, the Rock and Shock in Boston uh, recently, too. Now, is that the show that you did with, um, uh, I saw a couple of your pictures, and you had um, Danny Trejo? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was down in New Jersey. I oh, okay. So do you do a lot of those shows? Yeah, I do the Monster Mania one in Jersey. I do really well there, so I've got a lot of like good fan base going down there. And that was actually one of the first ones I did. We we went down just to check it out, me and a couple of my friends, and um, you know we had fun there and everything. And then we just started, you know, trying to get involved and you know start getting the table going and doing the shows. So um, did that one, and then uh, the Rock and Chuck comes around in Boston, which is like a three-day thing of music and um, and horror. So they'll try to like link up the Misfits with it, or like the guys from Twisted or ICP or crazy stuff, and um, get that going. And then I just did the ScareCon that was out in Springfield, Mass, which I thought was where the Simpsons lived, but apparently they don't live in Springfield, Mass. <laughs> They're in Springfield somewhere. And uh, we did that one. That was just I get hit up a lot. Um, from vendors, they'll send me emails if I want to do the shows, but um, everything costs money. Every, you know, they usually want they'll give me discounted tables at times, take some money off if I'm traveling from different places. Um, I did the Bizarre Atlantic City show in New Jersey uh, one year. That was at the Tropicana Casino, and that was a great time. It was Corey Feldman at a big after party, and um, it was we, we had a lot of fun there, but the foot traffic wasn't that great, and of course the hotels were expensive as hell in Atlantic City. And yeah, yeah. Did you get like to meet? Time. Did you get to meet Corey Feldman? Yeah. Which, How, what's he like? Yeah, kind of what you'd expect, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can say. He was dressed up like Michael Jackson or something. I don't know. He had like the you know whole hat thing, like he was in Smooth Criminal. I don't know. Um, but he's been in some of my most fa- like he was. He's been in Friday Thirteenth. Goonies, The Fox and the Hound, um, Lost Boys. Like I, that was a big movie for me when I was a kid. Like, he's been in a lot of cool movies. Yeah, he has. He definitely, uh, you know, he he definitely takes a lot of heat, but you know, I mean, whatever. He, I, I guess, yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff. You know, I always forget that he was in that Friday Thirteenth. It was a part four, I think. Was, was and in. the beginning of five. Oh yeah, that's right. He was yeah. in the beginning of five. 
Yeah, right. You want to? That's like the trick or treat. There, I met that kid that played uh, Little Sam. Oh yeah. Yeah. So uh, he, I mean, he's young still, but I mean, he's probably in his teens now. So it's been so long since that movie's come out. He was with his father at the show, and he was signing autographs and doing stuff like that. But uh, I guess he's got a lot of stuff going on. That's what his father was saying. So he's coming up. But um, it's funny though how people get so excited to see him, and I'm like, you could. That could be anybody. I don't know what he looks yeah. like. You know what I mean? You get the mascot. I mean, it's kind of, it's just crazy. But yeah, dude, you, you were wearing a, a pumpkin mask. You, you could just yeah. sat down the table and say, ah, it was me." Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if I'm really talking to the right guy and then just pulling my strings the whole time. Yeah. I'm like, "That's the kid." Yeah, all right. I guess so. That's him. Yeah, yeah he could know. just be look at me. Yeah. No, <laughs> imagine can... that with a pumpkin head. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, Kane Hart is at a lot of the shows too. He's a great guy. He. Um, He's, he's fine. I, I, and I only go by what I read on the internet, so I'm just guessing that it must be true. Uh, but it seems like these big guys that play in these horror movies, this, they just, I never, I, they seem, they come across as really nice guys. Yeah, that's true. They are. They're, they seem like they're all very humble. Uh, Derek Mears, the guy that played it, um, he's been in a lot of stuff, but he was um, Jason in the new, um, the remake of Friday the 13th, and uh, he's got to be one of the, nicest guys that I've ever met. He's very appreciative of the fans, and um, he usually comes over whenever I have a booth going and doing well. At the end of the night, he usually comes over and checks out my stuff, and actually at the Rock and Chalk, we actually um, hung off a little bit afterward. He's a he's a really nice guy, so um, it's funny how, you know, well, I hate to say, it's the girls I meet, but I'll meet some girls, and they go out, and they see, like, Kane Hodder, they see, uh, you know, Derek Mears, and they're like, they think he's going to, like, slip their throat because they think he's actually <laughs> that person. And you're like, no, like, he's got a family, too. He's just, that's his roles, you know? He's yeah. not. He's just seven <laughs> feet tall. What's he going to yeah, do? He's just intimidating. <laughs> Serve you coffee? Right. <laughs> so, uh. uh. What was Danny Trade? I I fucking love Danny Trade. He's, he's so awesome. Yeah, what was well, he like? I he, he uh, surprisingly very nice, very humble guy. He doesn't. He didn't really say too much. Like he's not. He's kind of soft spoken in a way of things. You know. At first, I was like wondering if he how well his English was or whatever. But uh, it seems fine. But um, yeah, he's for a guy that really came from like the real deal. Like he's the guy that you know. I didn't even realize it. I was with one of my friends, and he was saying that he's like this guy's an actor now, but he probably should be in prison. You know. What I mean? <laughs> so I'm like. Uh, yeah, but uh, when I met him, I mean, he was nice to everybody. He was he was cool with everyone. There was a lot of people that wanted to see him, wanted to meet him, which I was kind of surprised by because, I don't know, there was a part of me that I feel like, you know, he's a guy that's been around everywhere, but how many people would really know who he was? But I think the Sons of Anarchy, that's what people yeah. really brought him to a new level there. And uh, when he was signing stuff, a lot of it was the son of, Sons of Anarchy type of stuff. So, uh I was going to have him sign the picture of his head on the turtle, but I didn't have it with me when they cut his head off in the thing. But, you know, I didn't really want to push his buttons too much either. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, because even when it looks like he's being nice or humble, he still looks unapproachable. Like, right. he looks like the type of guy, even on a good day, he looks like he can just snap and break your neck. Right. And, then, like, I guess that was my, like, he was a nice guy, like, he was fine. But when you, he doesn't really say much. So at first, he was kind of just, just to see. <laughs> looking at you and just you know you're like well this guy i don't know if he wants me here or not you know he's a little intimidating but he's not very tall he's I, i'm only like five ten five eleven and that was over him so he's, oh I, see yeah, now he's, i i know they do that in movies a lot but he kind of looks like he'd be like six something no he's not though he's huh. fairly short 
So huh. I thought that was kind of not that anything. Uh, that's one of the things that came across to me as surprising that he wasn't. Yeah, because in the movies they always make him look. Well, I guess that's the job, right? To make him look overbearing. Right. Yeah. Right. And scary. And I think a lot of the actors too, though. I think if you look it up, I think a lot of the actors are not. It's not many. I mean, you got Kane Hodder at like six three or six four. He's towering over guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, you know I mean, so. Or that guy who um, plays the mountain. And sorry if you don't watch uh, Game of Thrones. I've uh, seen him though. Yeah. Yeah. Monsters. Well, you say about Captain Spaulding though. That I met him a bunch of times. Um, uh, Sig Hog. Sig Hog. Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, he's taken some of my artwork and stuff like that. I was actually trying to work a deal with his people for one of the portraits I had done of him that he was going to try to, you know, sell him at the shows and sign him and stuff like that. And it, I don't know. I, I don't think I followed up on something on that. It kind of fell through. But um, yeah, he's a just super good guy. I would sell um, like the prints that I'd have and then he would sign them for like half price for me so that, he, you know, he would kind of work a deal. So I can't say anything but good things about him. He's a great guy too. But he's another guy that kind of looks intimidating. And, uh, he's been, he's done a lot. Like, like even like the, he's done a shitload in the 60s and 70s like i can't remember I, i'm drawing blank here on names but he's done a lot of movies yeah. that movie spider baby originally oh, yeah. like back like one of the, i think it was like might have been a russ May, mayer movie or something like that he was young in it though like really yeah young. um he originally i heard that he originally whether this is true or not quentin tarantino wanted him for a pulp fiction to play um marcellus uh wallace there or whatever the guy with the bandaid on yeah, his yeah. supposed to be Sid Hag. That whole role was written for him, and um, he turned it down, supposedly, Ooh. because uh, he just thought it was you know ridiculous. He didn't really want to act that out. And then that movie went on yeah. so crazy high that he decided when Rob Zombie approached him, he took that role because he felt he lost out on the um, on the other one. That's <laughs> what I heard through the grapevine, but I don't know. You know I can yeah. see him doing um, – yeah, I can see him doing the Pulp Fiction role. yeah. It would have been a lot different. Yeah, because uh, Buddy know. there, who actually got the role, yeah, he's pretty good too. Yeah, but yeah, I like said he's he's pretty awesome. Yeah, he's a good guy. Now, do you read books? I like, do. I, I do read books, like on yeah. a regular basis. Are you yeah. like you a, a book person? Yeah, what I got into too, and I know it's lazy, but I like the audio books. I get those <laughs> I get in my car when I'm stuck in Boston traffic all day, and I can listen to them too. So I do that from time to time, but. Uh, I'm big into like the short stories. I, I I I do like reading the novels, but like I say, because I kind of have time and don't have time, I never know when something's popping up and something's gonna come. So, um, I I basically like I try to read all the books that I do covers for and stuff like that. Because when I go to shows, I want to at least tell people what they're about. But um, <laughs> what's this book about? Know, I don't fucking know. Yeah, well, there there are, there are times when I hate to admit it, but I'll like be on the table. Me and Christian will share a table. He'll have books that he's done on his own that I don't, you know, had nothing to do with. So people are asking me about when he's not there, and I'm like, I don't know. I'll just be looking at it like it looks like it's a story. Like I just tell a crazy thing. Yeah, buy it and find out. Yeah, yeah, you'll find out. I'm like, he's he's a madman, so I don't know. There'll be something crazy in there, but um, yeah, no, I um, yeah, I like the short story, so I do like I'll read Stephen King and um, love all Clive Barker stuff. My favorite though is I've always been Bentley Little. I don't know if you know who that is, but no. I, he's one of my favorite writers. I he has a uh, short story collection that I love all his stuff. So I actually just uh, finishing up. Um, this uh, driving creature feature book with the guys from Evil Jester Press, and um, it's all short stories. It's like eighteen to twenty short stories, and that. And um, 
I got to illustrate each one as drive-in movie posters. I really like that. That was actually – and how many stories are in the book? I believe there's 18 stories in the book, but we did um, stories with Clive Barker and um, Chris Golden who did Hellboy and, um, you know, there's some uh, Jonathan Mayberry and there's a lot of big-name guys in there. So, um, And how again, many posters did you get to do? I got, did all of them. I all did of them? All 18 posters. Nice. Um, they were talking. They wanted me to do the cover. There was some talk about the cover. The cover was already done, though. The design for the cover by another artist. It was fun. It definitely was. And it started off with the idea that I was just going to do a couple, and some other artists were going to do other ones. And then they just wanted it all kind of look the same. So I ended up just ended up doing all of them. And it, it, unfortunately, because of me, it kind of pushed back the release of the book because you know I wasn't really prepared to do all 18 posters. So it took me a little longer than they thought. I told them as long as I could be a whip me, I'd get them done, you know. And it was a constant um, finish one, send it in. They would send it out to the author. He'd look at it and then either okay it or say no, change this. So there were changes going on and things. So it's not like you could just blow through them either. So, um, And again, like I told you earlier, it's some guys are kind of easier than others. So sometimes you had more changes than others and things. And I... And those guys were good. They let me read all the stories, so I kind of had my head wrapped around a lot of it. And, um, now, is the book out now? The book is should be um, being released shortly. They're still in editing. They sent me over a um, you know a rough layout of the book, and it looks the way they're doing it. They um, have this author Essel Pratt, I believe his name is. He's doing the layout, and he's doing a fantastic job. I mean, it's really reading makes you look stupid. Fun fact. Number 106, the original title thought of for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was Head Cheese. What the fuck are we finding these, seriously? I think that's going to be, uh, hopefully it'll be a good seller. Let's see. You know how it goes. You never know what hits and what misses. <laughs> yeah, don't. that's, yeah. So are you working on anything now? Other, like, are you working on any covers or any... Yes, um, I don't know if you ever heard of the author Tom Erb, but he's out of uh, New York, and um, he's got a lot of stuff that he's had put out, short story-wise and novels through other publishing houses. But he's trying to start up his own publishing house, so he has like a three-part um, novel coming out, you know, the old trifecta, and um, he wants me to do the covers for him for the three-part. So. Uh, working on that now. He's just finishing up editing the first story and um, the first novel, and. Um, I'm working on that for him. That's what I'm kind of working on now. But Christian's constantly hit me up for stuff too because we got so much stuff on hold basically now. And then there's, he's always writing something new and it's off the wall and it's crazy. So I'm always falling behind on him. So I was that and I don't know. That's just how the way it works, you know. And it, it seems like when it rains, it pours. I'll have nothing going on for like yeah. two, three months, and then all of a sudden it's like boom. It's like just you're getting hit and you just don't know which one to do first, you know, and I don't know, so. Do you have any show, like, um, any of the cons coming up? The only con that I'm signed on to right now is the Rock and Shock in October for the 14th, 15th, 16th out in uh, Worcester, Mass. You know, and then October, you would expect around New England in October is going to be pretty, you know, it's usually pretty jumping around here, you know. Yeah. With the list boarding house and all that crazy stuff going on, so people like it. Get a little sale of mass, gets a little busy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
I just got back, like I say, from that ScareCon in Springfield, so my stock is already limited. I got hit up by a couple people looking for stuff online, and I had to like check my stock because I was like, I, I don't even show what I have right now. But um, yeah, it's good. It's good to be busy. It's amazing that people want. You know, you probably feel the same way. It's like you write a book, and then people go out and actually buy it. You're like, wow, like you know, like not saying that you don't think your stuff's good, but. Yeah. Appreciate it. it's nice. You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so I'm always amazed with that. You know, sit around by myself in my room for hours drawing pictures. If you actually want to buy them, like, oh, well, it's not too bad. You know. Now, uh, I, uh, before we we end here, I just wanted to ask you, like, do you do now? If anybody wants to check your workout, SilverBulletStudioStudiosInc.com, and I'll have it um, on my website. And anybody that looks looking for book covers can contact you there, or just buying uh, prints. Do you do um, custom prints? Like, if I say I want this, do you would do you would do you do that for people? Uh, yeah, I just had someone recently hit me up with some ideas for some custom work, and yeah, like they always want the pricing up front, but it's kind of I kind of have to see what it is, I guess, to know what I was trying to explain to them. Like, if it's something that's black and gray, I work really fast on that. If it's full color. Um, if it's the size, the, you know, the amount of people in the picture, I'd have to price everything kind of, you know, in general for what it is, I guess, you know what I mean? And um, that that's kind of how I would work that. So, yeah, people do inquire it. Sometimes I think it ends up being more money than they, you know, anticipate. So I don't get that job. But um, People in general are cheap. <laughs> yeah, so that, that, that's, that's my theory. I hate to say it, but that is my theory. And I know, like... Uh, you know, a lot of the other authors feel the same way. So like you can't outprice the book either. And like, that's one of the things with all the shows I do. Like, I sell posters for twenty dollars, or prints for ten. Like, that's the idea. And then, and that's one of the things I can bring down an original for three hundred, but I'll just be cluttered, and no one's gonna pay for that when they can buy a print for ten bucks. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Just feel like that is what I'm dealing with. Like college kids that don't have a lot of money, and, and there's a lot of other artists out there that. More famous than me that will charge sixty dollars a poster or whatever, and I'm just like, you know, if I can get the posters printed for a reasonable price and I can make my profit on that, and I'm not trying to gouge it, I'm not trying to get rich off a of one sale. So, you know, just kind of get your name out and yeah, you know, doing it the right way, the way I look at it. But I've had other artists approach me at shows and tell me to up my prices because you know you're selling a lot and they're not, and I end up looking at this stuff and it's like, one, I don't know, you know, I don't know what the quality is of your stuff and then it's like you're trying to sixty dollars for a poster to a college kid that's gonna spray a beer all over it. You know what I mean? Like it's not gonna do that. It's no. just it's ridiculous. So I feel like at twenty dollars it's more than you would pay in a store for a poster, but it's you know, something that's a little more original and I feel like that's fair. You know, I just try to keep things fair. Whatever. But I uh, back to your original question. Yeah, I would do I'd do um you know, some stuff. I mean, one guy hit me up to do a puppet masterpiece with like every single one of the puppets that was in it, like a huge collage. And I was like, I, I think that would be awesome, you know. And uh, he wanted like the original of it, so I was like, I gave him a price, and he just didn't want to do it after that. But <laughs> that doesn't mean I won't do it myself, and then just sell him a poster for ten bucks, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Tough. Like he'll probably still buy it, but um, just the idea if he wants that original one, that's that's a lot of work, you know what I mean? I have to. Yeah, because I think of people, but I don't know why, like, but do people ever approach you and say, okay, I want Friday 13th, and I want on one side three panes of me fighting Jason, and then the big one, me getting fucking hacked. <laughs> <laughs> right. They don't. I don't really get a lot oh, of Oh, really? Yeah, which is which I would like to do. I think that would be cool, because that would really make it original, you know what I mean? But mostly they just want, like, 
you know, a picture of like Jason fighting Michael Myers because that's something you didn't see. Or, like, oh, okay, yeah. It's a little off base, but I mean, to me, I'm like, that's not even that original, real. You know what I mean? That's something that you could see, you know. So, I guess the sky's the limit. I can, I feel like I could do anything I wanted to do, but um, yeah, just if they're willing to pay for it. And like I say, if it's something obviously for an author or someone professional, that's one thing. But um, if it's just for somebody's, you know, man cave, it's like, well, I'll do it, but it's gonna, you know, yeah. You know, a price tag on it because that's tying up a lot of time for other stuff you know and i guess within you do author stuff or magazine stuff that you, and that's also another benefit on top of that is uh recognition um uh for that work that gets out there where when someone just wants to put it in their uh basement or whatever then no one else is going to ever see that again there's right. no other like when people pick up um christian jensen book or my book or whatever they see your name as the uh cover designer um, right. Where the other stuff, I guess they don't. Yeah, I guess you would want to charge more for it. Right, exactly. Because it's just it's a one time one hit, you know. Yeah. So you got to kind of do that. So yeah, it's uh, it's interesting though. It's fun. That's a genre I, I like. But I know it's a uh, it's a tough one. There's a lot of people that do it. There's a lot of horror writers out there. There's a lot of horror artists. So it's 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 tough to break through. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You're yeah, pushing the choir, man. That's every every author I talk to, like you know how this business works. I'm like, yeah, no, I know. It's not like you can't guarantee you anything right now, but I don't know. If I spread it out to a bunch of different people, you never know. You never, yeah, yeah, yeah you never know. Gets, you know, and that's you do get those few people that don't want to work with other people and think it's all about them or it's all you know an individual thing. And um, you know, I don't. I I would rather be remembered years later down the road as being. A group of people that came out in the you know two, early 2000s that put out a bunch of crazy shit and be like you know he's just that one guy that did that one thing you know yeah. I mean? just all go into this together and just you know Christian got the job at Book Trove and he's like I can help you and bring you in you can work with me and other people it's like you know we kind of all try to keep things rolling for everybody so and, you know I appreciate that and that's the way I'd like it to be like just more of like a, a hobby fun thing yeah, yeah and actually to be honest when i first got into it and, and was planning uh, my writing career um i was one of those guys like it's me and i'm gonna get famous and fuck y'all and i'm gonna right. get a boat and I'm gonna screw you people and um but after i started to talk like i got editor i got a cover designer and i talked to some other writers and some marketing uh, people turned out to be nice and it kind of changed my thing and it wasn't where I, I i was focused just on succeeding money wise i just i didn't know anybody and right. so i was just tunnel vision of the end of my road and now that i've met all these people i see all these different roads and that's and that's kind of why i doing this it, it'd be it's a good way to get my name out there hopefully and get other people that are doing other stuff and people that don't know about proofreaders and cover designers and stuff like that so right. yeah it's yeah it, it's like you said it's better to not to be known as that one thing but hobby have fun no thanks a lot for doing this i appreciate that no problem. It was my first time. You brought you popped my cherry on this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all the time we have. Thanks for sticking with us, and I hope you enjoyed it. All comments and criticism, constructive criticism, is welcome. If you don't like it, you keep that to yourself. And if you're happen to listening to this as a podcast on iTunes or Google Play, everything we are talking about is available at jhcoats.com. You'll be able to go to episode two and see all the pictures we were talking about. And that's it. Have a good day, everybody.
Что факт?